Welcome to another episode of Precious Snowflakes. Today is, what day is it? It's June the 29th, 2017, and I am your host, Lelius Rose. I'm Ben Phelps. And this is our 13th episode, Lucky 13. And today, joining us, even though technically she always joins us, isn't usually mic'd up and, and participating, but guess who's back? The real... Slim Shady? Um, no. Chris uh, is back. Yes. <laughs> Our uh, producer. <laughs> Chris Villarreal. Back on the air. Yes. Yes. So why did you decide to join us today, Chris? Mm, in the conversation. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Got tired of white people, like, taking the spotlight? I don't okay. know. <laughs> so that movie was filled with white people. Which spotlight? Movie? Oh, boy. So this is, will be a slightly less white version edition of Precious Snowflake. Now today. with thirty three percent more with with color as a as a as a person of color, yeah. we thank you for joining us and producing our show. It was my idea. It was my idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yes, the podcast was Chris's idea. So if any any yeah, that's any, true. Any, if anyone's co- if anyone needs someone to blame, it was it was me. So obviously yes. blame the person of color in the room. Uh, oh, this is gonna be a fun week. Um, so our our we're we're gonna go a little free form this week, as opposed to a little more structured. <laughs> a little, a little. <laughs> um, our topic this week is sort of three topics. It's uh, the Chicago Dyke March and the incident of anti-Semitism there. The what march? The Chicago Dyke March. Is which that is like really so- what they call it? Okay. For anyone listening. It's not, it's not like... I'm using the word because that is the word they use. Okay. Is that like part of the, the whole like pride thing or... Yes. Okay. So we'll, we'll explain in a moment. <laughs> so CDM, uh, topic two-ish, the one that we'll lead into is uh, anti-Semitism of the left and uh, the word unsafe. And words in general that have lost all meaning in public discourse. Hmm. Um, so I feel, to s- I feel triggered already. So to start, yeah, this is a real snowflakery episode. <laughs> um, to start off, uh, every year in a number of cities, well, like every year in basically every major city in America now, we celebrate Pride Month, Happy Pride Month, everyone, with a parade, right? Um it has become now a sub-tradition the day before the big pride parade uh, for a smaller group of LGBT activists to hold a dyke march. The reasoning for this, the stated purpose, is these are people who believe that the pride parades, the pride celebrations, have become too corporate. They've become too corporate. They've become too mainstream. So the goal of the dyke march is to be... Uh, more inclusive, more social justice oriented. Unfortunately, they ran into a little problem this year in Chicago, where uh, a number of uh, Jewish LGBT ladies showed up with Jewish pride flags. That is to say, a standard rainbow pride flag with a Jewish star on it, a Magen David, 
which so this is not a new thing. I mean, this the, is not the, a new thing. There's all sorts of different versions, or, or you know, rainbow flags yeah, these with flags different have been around for years. I mean, the whole thing about the the rainbow flag is you know all the colors of the rainbow. It's the whole idea is inclusive. It's not right. And it's I mean, that's even that's a whole other being expanded. I mean, there's a whole other topic about the one in in Philadelphia where they added a couple other. Brown and black. Yeah, brown and black, which aside from being not especially aesthetically pleasing, I think, sort of misses the point. (laughs) I mean, I sort of understand where they're coming from. I can, but to me, that whole thing is kind of a half-baked idea. But (laughs) yeah, like the rainbow is supposed to be symbolic of all all colors, all kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, To begin with, I see your point. That I don't. I have no horse in that race. If people want to start putting brown and black stripes in their flags, then. That is fine. Um, yeah, the Jewish pride flags have been around for a while. One of the people who showed up at CDM with one of them had, in fact, been using the same flag every year for 10 years, she said. This year, things went a little different. Um, so normally being Jewish and LGBT is, is right, not that like is, a big deal, right? That I mean, is normally an intersection. Yeah. And the person who is sort of the leader of this little cluster was also an Iranian Jewish woman. So for her, she's a Jew, oh. a woman of color, and an LGBT person. Okay. Um, so that doesn't seem like it should be a big deal at all. You wouldn't think. In in Chicago. In Chicago. Know, Jews and lesbians and okay. I what, what went wrong here? Almost immediately, people started giving her side eye and, were, and people were grumbling. And then, uh, allegedly, because we only have the she said she said um people started to heckle them and eventually uh sort of staff organizer types came over and told them to leave and they said that they were being asked to leave because uh those were israeli pride flags and that it was making other people in the march feel unsafe 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 like, like if someone someone with a with a they, they see they see a, a star of david and think someone's going to harm them in some way I mean, what, what does that mean to be un, ha, ha, unsafe in in what sense like not welcome or excluded or actually in harm's way unclear okay uh, since then since then there has been some pretty dramatic fallout uh from within both the lgbt and jewish communities in particular because the non-Orthodox Jewish community in America, which is to say most Jews in America, have been on the forefront of lots of different civil rights fights over the last century. Um, and so this, stung, this stings. And it took a while to get an actual response from CDM. Well, yeah, and their, I... their eventual response was... Well, we are a pro-Palestinian anti-Zionist collective, officially. Okay, they are? And, okay. Is and that, these... that that's part of their deal, is, is being... I thought it was about lesbians. Is there... apparently, <laughs> apparently, intersectionality means to them that they must be pro-Palestinian, and they defined that to them, Zionist means believing in the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians okay. by Jews who they see as being only white people. Okay, but but by but so or to them is there a, a distinction between Jews or Israelis and uh, and I mean Zionism is a is, is a is a is an idea. It's not a it's not a 
you know, a like a demographic, really. It's not a... <laughs> yep. It's, it's uh, I mean, somebody who's Jewish isn't necessarily a Zionist. Well, and yet Zionist is often the term of choice when people want to say mean things about Jews. Right. And they want to hide it. Um, the Well, sure. I mean, it's thrown around as a slur. I, I'm just interesting you... that, that, okay, so the star on the rainbow flag specifically in their minds equates to Zionism. So anyone who uh, expresses Jewish identity or Israeli identity is automatically a Zionist and therefore makes someone feel unsafe. I mean, because I mean, Israel is a, is, all, is a nationality. <laughs> More or less. Okay. Right, and there are just as much as I mean, you would think I would I would think it would you'd be more likely to make people feel unsafe with an Iranian flag than a than a than a well, than an Israeli one. And people had there's a there's a woman whose name I will butcher, and therefore I'm not even going to try because uh, I can't quite remember it. It was like Nuri Al Nadia or something. Okay, uh, a uh, a young Muslim woman who actually spoke out against what happened. And she posted a picture of herself holding her pride flag, which had a star and crescent on it, you know, symbols of Islam. And her response was, if the Jewish pride flag, the pride flag with the star of David on it, is somehow symbolic of Israel and therefore must embody all of the worst things about Israel, then... How is her flag not representative of all the worst things about the countries that bear its symbol, like Turkey, which at the same time this was happening, was firehosing their pride parade? You know, well, sure. And and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Israel generally a fairly LGBT friendly country? It is. Um, I mean, that's sort of been another sort of side you know, issue of this whole question of, uh, of, uh, quote unquote, pink washing yeah. using, using your gay friendly status to cover up some other kind of prejudice. Right. So basically, yeah, there's a, there's a lot here. <laughs> there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of potential stuff to unpack here. Uh, part of it. Yeah. Israel is one of those countries, you know, they're not their Their record on LGBT issues isn't perfect. But they have never discriminated in their military. Right. Uh, they do not yet, I think, perform religious gay marriages in the country. Okay. Is there is no separation of church and state in Israel? If your if your uh, ID card says Jewish, you can only be married by an ultra orthodox rabbi. <laughs> Whereas if it says Muslim, then only an imam. They're all all the religious. So your your ID cards indicate your religion. That's uh... yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but religion is funded by the state. Okay. So if you're an Israeli citizen and you're Muslim and you go to a Muslim school, that school is paid for by tax dollars. Your imam at the mosque is a government employee. Interesting. The mosque itself oh, is yeah. owned okay. by the government. Like every religious group that exists in Israel okay. is interconnected with the government, uh, which for some people is great. There are a lot of Israeli imams who okay. love it. But, but as far as LGBT rights in Israel, it's as far as LGBT rights in Israel, go, it's on, it's you, I mean, you can be out and open and not yeah, be, you right. Know. It's not perfect. And there are problems in Jerusalem in particular, because mm-hmm. Jerusalem is such a religious city, but like Tel Aviv is one of the drag capitals of the world which is why RuPaul's Drag Race is recording a bunch of episodes there this year. Okay. 
So back to this uh, th- thing in Chicago. So the, uh, these uh, these uh, Jewish lesbians were kicked out of the parade, and was the, was did the, was it the official did the parade issue some sort of statement or explanation or you know other, just the unsafe thing or their that... official statement was we are a pro Palestinian anti Zionist march. Uh, they clarified that to them Zionism means ethnic cleansing. Okay. That Jews are white people. That Zionists. That ah. Zionism. Oh, okay. That Zionism because is a it's... form of white supremacy. I see. Uh, and <laughs> that that's something that they stand against. And they're happy to have Jews participate as long as they are anti-Zionist Jews. It, it seems like there is. Um, there's. Congratulations! Sorry, You're in the club. <laughs> It's it's interesting. There, it's a you know I've always considered myself you know a progressive and a liberal because to me liberal, you know the whole concept of being liberal means you're open to to new ideas and you believe that everyone should you know be included in in society and all its various you know <laughs> benefits and whatnot that you shouldn't discriminate against people. But there is definitely you know uh, on on the left. There is, especially in within the the social justice community, it seems like an increasing trend towards towards discriminating against discriminating against people by labeling them as oppressive, and well, it, it almost reminds me of like the some of the terminology that like Scientologists use when they mm. when they talk about suppressive people. It's like now it's like you're an oppressive person. You're because if you're um, um, not not based on who you are and what you're saying and what you're advocating, but what group you belong to. Like, yeah, I'm getting a quick education about this. I'm, I, I'm like running around in social justice circles. You know, I'm, I have a, I have a few friends who are introducing me to other people who are like in the social, you know, who are, you know, self-proclaimed social okay. justice warriors. And, uh, <laughs> Oh well, boy, <laughs> it's interesting because you know you I have to watch your words very carefully. I used to think social justice warrior was kind of a cool term. It's sort of like you know you're some sort of caped crusader who goes around you know you know squashing discrimination like like a real like like a like a civil rights lawyer or someone like that. But it's yeah, but it's taken on this whole yeah. new meaning, and the right has started using it as a as a as a derogatory term. Yeah, well, you end up like Phoenix Jones, and you're just picking fights with. Drunk people at bars and Do people stuff. know who Phoenix Jones is. That's all not anymore. It's <laughs> the greatest superhero. Yeah, so Phoenix Jones is the uh, greatest Seattle superhero of all time. That's a whole. That's a whole different topic. But you know, Chris, you as a as a um, as a transgender woman of color who you know works in the in the film community and the the arts community, you're around a lot of people who you know who people would consider quote-unquote social justice warriors. You, Any more you, a lot of these people are your friends. What is your perspective on all on this? Do you see a lot of like intolerance, or do you think it's kind of overblown by the right, or what do you, what do you feel about well, it? Well, any more tokens, then I get a free game. I was going to say, that's a, <laughs> that's a mighty deck of cards you have. <laughs> now that I've listed all your credentials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Um, should we should we all go around and list no, some people... sections? <laughs> no, some people were pretty cool about it. Uh, you know, like you know, I've like you know, I've I've apologized to bicyclists for being like a driver, and they're like, no, it's cool, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, and and but uh, yeah, it's you have you really ha- you really have to watch yourself. I mean. 
I, I, you really get pulled over a lot, and it's just like you know, let's 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 unpack that what you just said for a second. I'm like, what? So what are you getting at? Are you are you saying that people are, are overly quick to label everything as oppressive, or well, I mean, what are you what are you getting at? You could elaborate a little more. Oh, from what from your what you see in your own you know your own you know community and friends. Well, I hear yeah, out. I hear I I all I hear it all secondhand. Nobody's like really coming after me like personally, but yeah, it's it's a minefield out there. You really have to. You, I'm, you really have to. You really have to watch what you say. Okay, so I mean that sounds sort of like. I mean the whole you having to watch what you say. I mean my biggest issue with that is is not that you know you should be racist or say things that are bigoted or prejudiced or whatever, but this whole idea that we can't really even have a a real honest discussion about things because we're so worried about offending each other or maybe you know using the wrong term. It it seems like it's a it's a big barrier to just having honest dialogue when we were so worried about violating yeah. the, 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 the the language rules. Yeah, it's not a good kind of watch what you say where you're just like, you know, where people are just like, you know, just don't be a jerk. But this is like, you know, any, you know, it's like that Star Trek episode that we keep mentioning. Any, any, if you step on that field, um, the penalty is death. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, I'm not sure exactly which which yeah. one you're referencing, but I know I, I actually I think I do. I do but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. those of you, we have to we have to be mindful that our listeners may not. <laughs> so that our, not our, 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 our best listener, <laughs> yes, <laughs> those who are true Star Trek nerds who listen to our show of the handful of listeners we have might get that reference. But like mm. I was, <laughs> so. But yeah, as as a, I mean, from my perspective, as a cis white male who has a lot of opinions about things, I find myself having to be kind of selective about what I say. And I mean, a lot of people might be like, well, boo-hoo, poor you. You're so oppressed. But at the same time, it, it's like, how do you really understand something if you can't even really talk about it? If you have to, you know, work your way around all these. I mean, it's one thing to be straight up offensive to you know yeah how can you talk about spider bites if um, you can't we're into the word spider right i want to take a moment on the note of offensive speech to clarify a thing that i mentioned earlier which is cdm saying that zionism is about ethnic cleansing and white supremacy uh it's awfully similar to something called blood libel oh boy which is, blood Ooh. libel is a very, very old traditional anti-Semitic attack that accuses Jews of stealing uh, Christian children and using their blood to, <laughs> so, uh, to make matzah, which, matzah's white. Um, you can see, by the way, things about blood libel that take it as seriously true on networks like Al Jazeera. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something about the accusation of of uh, ethnic cleansing that really smacks of blood libel to me. And I just think it's important to just state for the record that this statement from CDM was filled with anti-Semitic triggers. You know, it was filled with accusations that touch on very old points for Jews. So the anti-Semitism uh, in the left, especially in the social justice community, sounds like 
it basically stems from this idea that that Jews are essentially white and therefore oppressing an, another people, the the Palestinians. That yeah. it's it's just an example, like you said, of white supremacy. That's where they're going with it, it and, and it kind of it's it, you know it's the what what bothers me about it is that for one thing it it ignores the entire history of white supremacy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, white supremacy has never and, included Jews, right? And well, and exactly. <laughs> yeah, like white supremacy is a real thing, is a real thing with a storied, you know, history and tradition, and filled with you know philosophers espousing it. Uh, none of those people would include Jews. But it is interesting how, in a lot of people's minds, Jews have essentially become white. Not that's not the Which, necess- that's not necessarily the reality that that Jewish people live in <laughs> well, in the right. modern world. But there's, I guess, there's a you know, there's a, a certain mindset that within well, certain it, bubbles it, that Jews are basically you know white elites. It can Ooh. be argued that that's something that Jews have fought for for the last century. Uh, especially in America, that, you know, from the little things like John Stewart being a fake name, uh, which is super common in the Jewish community, mm-hmm. it's like fake names, uh, like Kirk Douglas and Michael Douglas, they have a, they had a distinctly Jewish last name. Kirk Douglas changed oh, yeah. his name for Hollywood. Oh, they um, were Russians. Yeah. They have very Russian sounding names. Um Right, from that to like Jews starting their own country clubs because they weren't because they wanted to live that life, but they weren't allowed in the pre-existing ones. So they made their own so they could replicate the white experience without being included in it. Um, yeah, now, like, congratulations! I guess we finally made it, guys. Now we're the oppressors. Uh, ugh. And it's. I would say, I was reflecting on this earlier because I was reading the responses from the women who were kicked out of the march and from the CDM collective, which sounded very Borgish. Hmm. Um, and there was a lot of talk about intersections, you know, intersecting things. And I realized about myself that I have an interesting intersection when it comes to sort of systemic oppression and whatever. And it's two things that are both invisible to the naked eye. One is that I'm Jewish. And believe me, uh, there is systemic anti-Semitism, especially in places like Washington State, where you don't get Jewish holidays off Hmm. from school. You have to do your homework. And sometimes your teachers get mad about it um, and decide to give you lower grades because you couldn't do homework on High Holy Days. Um, Little thing, but that's a thing. Oh, and I'm yeah. also I'm also a person with learning disabilities, and it's something that I've really struggled with my whole life, and continue to. Um, and so I have two things that put me in categories of people who are historically and systemically oppressed, neither of which are visible to the naked eye. And it's funny how and when they come up. The disability thing always comes up when it's in an education background. Which is why anyone who knows me knows that I hate school in all of its forms, because I don't like dealing with that. Uh, I would rather avoid having to have conversations Mm. about my disabilities than get a degree. Um, And the other thing is, you know, um, a week or two ago now, 
my partner and I went to a wedding in Boise. And <laughs> at the rehearsal dinner, uh, she was trying to, you know, like tell people who I was, who knew a little bit about me. Uh-huh. And she referred to me to them as Jewish Ben. And they're like, oh, you're Jewish Ben. Jewish? And then was it, there a different Ben who wasn't Jewish? It, yeah, there were multiple Bens. Oh, okay. But then it became a thing. And my two favorite comments of the night were, oh, I like Woody Allen films. <laughs> and, oh, I like bagels. <laughs> like, those are two things that people yes. actually said to me. And, like, that's so odd. And such a weird reminder that, like... Like in any other context with any other, it's it it's rem- like almost exactly that scene from Get Out, it, right? It's funny because I always, I, sometimes I sort of laugh when I see like all these articles that people post like on Facebook that usually start with, stop saying X to this group of people because it's offensive. And I kind of always think to myself, well, oh, come on, who does that? Who who says... They do. <laughs> but, and, and the thing is, I, I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding why certain things are hurtful or oh, offensive you mean like, or whatever. Like, st- stop calling your... Stop calling your straight white f- female friend girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that. Oh, like, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Straight. I, hey, straight women. Stop yeah. calling your friend's girlfriend. I love that. Right. That was that was the title uh, of an article. I believe we discussed mm-hmm, that in the previous exactly. episode. Oh. Oh. Yeah, but like this, you know, there was no in this particular experience of this wedding in Boise. There was no malice. There was no like intent to offend. It was just sort of odd and alienating. Like, ah, okay, that's your frame of reference for well, me now. And it's it's weird because a lot of people have a hard time, you know, when somebody does say something that's kind of awkward and weird like that, saying, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd per, you know, or just, you know, explain to someone why that's, you know, why that's uh, not cool. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this makes me like a bad, oppressed person. But my response in that situation is always just like, okay, because I don't, I don't have the energy to Mm -hmm. engage with every, like, with every little instance like that. You don't want to, or you could always be passive aggressive. It's like, oh yes, I'm Jewish Ben. You must be redneck Bob. (laughs) This is... You know, I wrote a I wrote an article about this when I was like seventeen that got published in a thing. Uh, I was about like how to talk about Judaism to people who have never met a Jew before, and you just have to go in with like no ill intent on your part and try to find ways to connect with people. And I recognize that by saying I like bagels or I like Woody Allen movies, what they're trying to do is say, oh, this is a cultural sure. point that we can share. But it's also implicitly saying, and everything else about you is alien. Well, it's like in the in the movie uh, Get Out, where the where the white people are saying to the black guy, you know, trying, you know, saying like, "Oh, I like hip hop or whatever." I love Tiger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, trying to find that one thing, and and you know, we all do that when we're in it, when we're you know, when there's somebody who's you know from a group that maybe you just 
you know, you, you don't have any necessarily any hostility towards them, but you, you don't really get it. You're trying to find something to relate to, and so you come up with these very a frame of stilted... Reference. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about all this is that for the last couple of years, there's been a very intense internal conversation happening in the Jewish community about white privilege and conditional white privilege, which is to say... Uh, having it until people know you're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, passing. And it's certainly true that Jewish people with, with rare exceptions, well, that, you know, Jewish people who, who are ancestrally from Europe, uh, pass for white and therefore get to benefit from some level of, uh, you know, partial or conditional white privilege. But that is, that wasn't even true 50 years ago. Like, that's relatively new. You know, 50 years ago, you'd have to change your name in order to get past it and then pretend you weren't, like, actively. Hey, people a lot of the time will ask me if I'm Jewish because my last name is Rose, and, and they wonder if it's been shortened from a, from a more Jewish-sounding last name, like, like Rosen or Rosenstein or... Right, like or, the deputy attorney general. Yeah, exactly. But I, I get that a lot. I, I remember one of my friends told me how shocked she was the night she found out I wasn't Jewish. Because yeah. the name I usually go by, you know, Lel, kind of sounds vaguely Jewishy, I guess. To, <laughs> like Hillel or I don't know. What. Yeah, right. I they guess just sort of, I don't know. Yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I get a lot of, I've gotten a lot of, especially like in LA, a lot of like surprise looks from people like, you're not what? We just assumed you were Jewish. <laughs> I guess I fit in with the, the well, Jewish you probably crowd. got Jewish holidays off from school I, you know like Chris and I always talk about we were like the, it was just us and all the, the Mexican kids on the Jewish holidays watching movies waiting <laughs> yes. for the Jewish kids to come back <laughs> Yeah, that was not my experience up here yeah we, we, yeah, we went to school in California I mean, right yeah, I was I, one of like I feel sons, us I'm, the I'm, really, I, I'm really sorry about that by the way <laughs> So why don't we move on to our next topic, which is sort of tangentially. <laughs> well, our next topic would have been anti-Semitism on the left, unless we've real unless. Uh, well, we, no, we were going to talk about the term um, unsafe. Yes, unsafe. the whole idea of being unsafe. The whole notion of of, of yeah, I, I, well, yeah. Exa- okay, I have a, for no, back on track. I have a the whole idea of feeling unsafe. What does it mean when you say that? seeing something like a flag makes you unsafe? Do you mean you literally feel like your what safety is being threatened? Or do you do you feel like you're not welcome? I mean, what let's let's unpack that as they so, would say. <laughs> your I don't know your ego is unsafe. Your you just feel really uncomfortable. I mean, really, really uncomfortable. Well, because the idea is, you know, you'll you'll hear this a lot. Well, this is a safe space. And oh, yeah. I, it's but it, but when they say it's a safe space, they don't it? they don't mean just generally a safe space, you know, someplace where it is safe, you know. No, what they mean is it's a it's a space that's safe for a certain group. No, seriously, it's just like I, I see like things on Capitol Hill where it's like there's like a sticker on a window that says trans safe yeah. space, and it's just like right. I'll note that because if I'm being chased by people, I'm gonna duck into this. Well, I'm sure. gonna duck into this building, and I hope there are security guards that can help me. Well, and I would think. <laughs> I mean, I see it on the window, like in Starbucks, where it says this is a safe space. And when I see like a rainbow flag and it says this is a safe space, I don't like run through my mind think, okay, which groups is this safe for? I would think if if you're gonna call it a safe space, it should be safe for anyone. Who's who's in trouble? Who's or who's being like attacked or or assaulted or 
or anything. It, it means like if you come in here and someone is messing with you, you you you'll be people will stand up for you. I know in universities there's a whole list of things you have to do, like sort of standards and practices you must be compliant with, in order for a like a school org to get that safe space sticker put on. I know this because my fraternity looked into it, because hmm. um, we thought that that would be like a good way to, you know, try mm. to expand our horizons as an organization and make sure that we were being as inclusive as possible of people who might want a fraternity experience who might not traditionally look for it. Um, anyway, mm. so Chris, when you when people talk about trans spaces, what 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 is to you what what makes something a trans space or a, or a safe trans space? Does that mean that I really that only no, that, I have a question. I really have no idea. I mean, it's just like, is it a space where all people are welcome or is it primarily intended for trans people? Or is it like in theory, everyone's welcome. But if you don't, you know, if, if too many non-trans people are in there, it stops, it kind of defeats the purpose. Or if you're a cis person, you walk into it, your molecules lose cohesion and you disintegrate. Uh Oh, seriously though. I mean, how do you really feel about it? Um, I mean, all joking aside, tell, you know, help, help us out. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just a counter, it's just a counter to the idea that, you know, I mean, the outside is not a safe, it's not very, it's not very safe. You're like, you know, people, people will harass you. People will like, you know, like not let you use the, will not let you use their bathrooms or, or whatever. And it's just like. Well, yeah. well, and it's just like okay, you're, you're, you're not going to deal with that here. Well, and I think that's you make a very good point that you know all of us cis people take for granted the fact that you know when we walk down the street, generally we don't garner a lot of attention. We certainly, you know, if you're just like a nondescript looking <laughs> white dude like me, you you know people don't like look at you and you know think okay, I got to keep him out of my bathroom or. Or whatever, and we kind of take it for granted. Just it's that our privilege, and that we aren't targeted by you know in, in general. And so I, I don't. I mean, you you have firsthand experience being you know a trans person who's visibly trans. When you're you know just outside on the street, does it make you? I mean, it must. You must feel more self conscious than before you transitioned. Well, I just feel really lucky to live in Washington because. Um... I still, I mean, I feel a lot more nervous being in California for some reason. Really? Okay. Because yeah. I grew up there. So yeah, Seattle and... Because you associated yeah. with your with your previous life. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't, I, don't I, I, I haven't really gone out, even like, even during vacations, I don't really go out much when I'm in L.A. But when you're in a safe space, like some, I don't know. Like, this doesn't like, need to be the interrogation. Like, like a, I'm just curious, like, like, a, like a coffee shop that, you know, is listed as a safe space. Is, is it just about physical safety or do you expect that? Oh, certain... nobody's, yeah, nobody's going to give me, nobody's going to give me a lip for anything. But what about like expressing ideas or yeah? What about in terms of like the thing acceptable topics for discussion? Like, oh well, uh, you know, it's just generally don't be a dick. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this brings up an interesting thing as we move forward talking about the term unsafe is that there are people and groups for whom safe spaces are 
actually vitally important. Absolutely. And for whom safety is a huge concern. Um, interestingly, <clears throat> people will not be surprised to hear that there's a very clear libertarian answer to people who are LGBT feeling unsafe. <laughs> Arm yourselves. Like, there's, a, there's an organization called Pink Pistols that is all about, like, let's do firearm training. Uh, and I, I remember yeah. at the national convention, a number of people saying things yeah, like, no but... one's ever going to bash me. Well, sure, but at the yeah, same time... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you have to get a gun, you've already lost the gunfight. Well, and that's, and, 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 you know, if you're better than them, you have a perfect, if not, guns are not for everybody. This idea that you almost, I mean, this sort of more extreme idea I I hear from a lot of people in the the libertarian world that you, it's all, you almost are obliged to carry a gun. You know, not everyone is comfortable with that. Not everybody wants, not everybody can necessarily, you know, can, 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 you know, psychologically handle that. Yeah, well, the right to bear arms is at least implicitly a right not to bear arms. Well, sure. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, you shouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah, he said. But yeah. in general, I think, I think most of us, you know, you know, when we walk down the street in our, in our neighborhood, don't want to feel like we need a gun just to leave the house. I mean, that's certainly <laughs> not feeling safe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, if if I if I feel like I need to be packing just to you know go to the store or to you know go out to eat or whatever, to me that's you know that I mean, I unless you have a particular reason to think that you know someone is going to target you. Yeah, well, that's the thing though. By then you're by then you're thinking about if you you're thinking about if you're if you can afford to move yeah. or not. Well, and and even though I'm generally supportive of of the right to bear arms, I don't necessarily think it's 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 ideal for everyone to be running around packing. I, yeah, I mean, I agree fundamentally. Though I will, I I will say that, uh, you know, going down the intersectionality road, uh, the more intersections you have, the more likely you are to be a victim of violent crime, and in particular, sure, trans women of color are the lar- are as a group. Uh, have the highest rate of being victims of crime, violent crime per capita. So that's why uh, that's why I always travel with you. Well, oh, <laughs> well, that's that's why. Like as a concept, offering classes, off like being like, hey, have you considered owning a gun? You might have to use it more than you would expect. Oh, uh, I'm a gun aim, but I'm a lousy draw. That's why I've never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's sort of neither here nor there. Um, but the issue, I guess the issue of the day is, you know, we come back to this thing uh, with the Chicago Dyke March and their claim that basically Jews being there, being publicly Jewish, uh, regardless of Israel, because they were asked to go, it sounds like before they'd even stated how they felt about Israel, um, their being publicly Jewish made people feel unsafe. Now, this is is interesting now because feeling unsafe is also the reason that Philando Castile's killer oh got off. Yeah. And it's the entire rationale behind President Trump's Muslim ban. Because reality, the reality is... You know, people listening to this probably already know this. 
you're more likely to be uh, smothered to death by your own comforter <laughs> than you are to be killed in a terrorist attack. Um, and yet we don't talk about, you know, comforter control or hammer control because hammers are more dangerous <laughs> than many other weapons in this country. They're used for more violent crimes than a lot of things. Um, we don't talk about that, but, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about terrorism, which impacts significantly fewer people. Um, there's been a lot of talk about people and things being unsafe or making other people feel unsafe. And I think it's not unfair to draw the comparison that this police officer in Minnesota felt unsafe because of the presence of a black man. Uh, there are voters... An armed black man. An armed black man. There are voters who Donald Trump intentionally goaded who feel unsafe around Muslims and around Hispanic people. And... There were taught to be unsafe hmm? they were taught to be unsafe somebody told them hey these these people dangerous. should make you feel unsafe yeah mm. these people are dangerous and uh. in chicago the presence of jewish people made a group of pro-palestinian lesbians feel unsafe and in all of these cases the statistical likelihood is that the person who's feeling unsafe is much more statistically likely to be the aggressor against the person who is making them feel unsafe. And so here we are in situations where the word unsafe, like what, what has that word become? Like Lel asked this earlier, listeners, what does it mean to feel unsafe? Like, do you have to feel like there's an imminent threat to your, to your body, to your physical presence? Or is it, that you feel unsafe because you don't like it when people disagree with you. Well, yeah. And I mean, to me, being unsafe is a very, I mean, in my, for me personally, it means physical danger. I mean, to me, I don't find ideas unsafe. You know, have, getting into an argument with somebody over whether, you know, the Palestinian, you know, it's, it's, unless, to me, unsafe in, it is all about the threat of violence. That's really all it, it means to me. I don't, you know, but the idea that, that you're going to be that, that you're worried about being triggered or you know emotion i mean the question is it isn't whether or not those feelings are valid it's like it's it's do you have the right is there a right to be protected from ideas that you find triggering or upsetting or emotionally disturbing you there's a balance i mean i mean sometimes Sometimes you have to like. Sometimes you have to buck up because you know you're in an environment where you're going to be triggered, and there's just nothing you can do about it. But nobody's like trying to trigger. Well, sure, you. but I mean, does that make it okay to tell people to get lost just because you you know they're waving a flag that you find a little bit unsettling? That you're making an assumption about yeah. what it means that you've decided that it's about Zion. I mean, usually, I mean, there are some times when. People are unambiguously threatening, like the like the crazy dude in in Portland who murdered the uh, yeah. the two guys on the train. He he was he was too crazy for the alt right wackos who who thought who were who were worried that he was gonna you know right, start they some crazy him out shit. Of events. Yeah, the 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 alt right you know folks, the pro Trump 
people. You know, new, you know this guy. Uh, I forget it. Uh, right, they Jeremy thought, Christian. They, they thought, thought he was dangerous. Yeah, because he was dangerous because he was actually threatening to hurt people, and they actually you know asked the cops to you know get rid of him. That, but that's actually threatening violence, saying he wanted to kill people, and he ended up killing people. You know, I guess so. We're of, using unsafe in at a much lower threshold where the thing just doesn't mean anything anymore. I guess it depends. Different people are using it different ways and it's kind of hard to all put it into a tidy little box. I think the the takeaway for our listeners who were kind of wondering what the hell we're getting at is we should, you know, be a little bit more thoughtful about how we, you know, deploy words. deploy those terms and 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 ask ourselves, you know, when we if when we before we say something is unsafe Ask ourselves, well, am I actually, do I have a, a, a rational justification for feeling like I'm in danger? Or is this, or is this idea just make me uncomfortable because I, I don't really want to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of cognitive dissonance. I don't want to have to deal with it. Hmm. <laughs> you know, is this going to be a situation where it could escalate? Is there any reason to think that some lesbian with a rainbow flag is going to get violent just because it has a Star of David on it? Or are you overreacting? So, yeah, I guess that's mm. kind of what we're getting at in our rambling way. They are but... pointy. <laughs> well, Chris, as the uh, as the guest, I would like to give you the last word. The there guest. Any final thought. Well, the guest. Uh, 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 I'm the producer. Yeah, but you don't always. You don't usually join us in the discussion. So. I think I'm going to like join in a little more from here on out. Is that okay. okay with you guys? That's fine. Yeah. But considering you haven't really spoken in the last like 11 episodes or so, I'm going to give you the last word this time. Okay. Um, As the self-appointed host. <laughs> I'm the third part. I'm the third wheel. Okay. Well, spin, <laughs> tricycle. <laughs> Onward. Oh, the the last word about unsafety? Or well, what what would about... you like to leave our, our listeners, you know, thinking about as we as we sign off for this week. Just... <laughs> don't be dicks. <laughs> yeah, don't be dicks. Um, also, think about the words you're using and what they really mean. And... Ask yourself and if Don't maybe... dilute... And, and try not to dilute their meaning, because, you know, afterwards... Yeah, I mean, if you... You could get into a situation where words just don't mean anything anymore. And then we're, and then, then we're all trying to talk to each other, and we have no idea what we're talking about. And one thing I always try to remind myself when I find myself getting all, you know, hot under the collar about something is, you know what? Well, maybe you're the one who's actually full of shit, and you should at least entertain that possibility. <laughs> yeah, I tell you good. that all the time. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's true. Not not usually, but but sometimes. Well. I have to, I, yeah, I have to, I have to entertain that possibility about myself all the time. I mean, the same people ask them, the same pe the same people doubt themselves, and then, you know, but you know, the crazy people are are, are a little too self confident. Ben, well, I guess my uh, my last word of the week. The topics this week have been a little, a little close to my heart because of the incident. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess the last thing I have is to ask people 
Uh, think critically and always have an escape plan. Mm. That's true. That's that's reminds me of uh, something Robert De Niro said in, in the in the film Ronin. He said a couple of things. Number one, what you said about doubt, which is that whenever there is any yeah, doubt, there is no doubt. That's on my Facebook profile. And never walk into a place you don't know how to walk out of. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I I guess the 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 actual last thing I have to settle on why I was thinking of that is, uh, I have seen a lot of really fascinating people uh, who I'm Facebook friends with responding to this incident this week by uh, people who who were Jews who are LGBT or Jews of color or a combination thereof um, who now who who didn't think of themselves as being zionist but who do now hmm. and the reason they do now is because all of a sudden i feel like i've been waiting for this for a couple of years for things to get bad on the left as they have on the right um and now people are finally waking up to like oh things have gotten pretty bad for jews right now and it's only getting worse uh and it probably will only get worse and this that is the point of Zionism. The point of Zionism is that Jews deserve to have a home. Jews deserve a safe space somewhere in the world. That's what Israel is supposed to be. It's the safe space for Jews. Uh, yeah, so always have an exit plan. Wow. Powerful words. Mm. Something for us all to think about. Mm. But until next week, this, we, this has been another episode of Precious Snowflakes. I am Lelius Rose. And I am Ben Phelps. And I'm Chris Villarreal. And we are all Precious, Precious Snowflakes. Snowflakes. I know that's redundant, but I like doing it anyway. <laughs>